Welcome to KJV Cafe. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen. Each episode of the cafe is dedicated to studying the Bible verse by verse from Genesis through Revelation. Your host here at the cafe is Bible teacher Clark Covington. Looks like the coffee is hot and ready, so let's get started. Amen. Glory to God. Welcome to the program. Welcome to the cafe. Good to be back here, Pastor Clark Covington, with another episode of KJV Cafe. Hey, it's good to be here. Amen. Hopefully you got uh, coffee or tea. Uh, I don't. I've got some water, which is good, but somewhat boring. (laughs) But uh, hopefully you got a good drink here of something hot. uh, Keep you warm on these winter days. And hopefully you're ready to dive into God's word. We are touching on uh, Genesis 2. And I'm going to our, our verse here is verse six, but I'm going to start at verse four. There's kind of like a passage. Sometimes you'll look in the Bible and see these subheadings, which weren't writ- written by the original authors. I don't think they're just there to kind of summarize different parts, make it a little more readable. And this is kind of, I think four through se- seven is the subsection in Genesis two in my Bible. But I'm going to read four through six for now. Uh, and we'll get to seven next episode, Lord willing. Uh, these are the generations of the heavens and and of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. That's Genesis 2, 4. Again, recapping what was going on and when God did it. Verse 5, and every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth, and there was not a man to till the ground. So God knew what to do with these plants because there wasn't anything that we would know to do with them there at that time, right? If you say, how do you have a garden? How do you have plants? You need water and you need someone to go ahead and work the ground. Verse six, but there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. So here we see God's resolution to the the problem put forth uh, in the scriptures, that there wasn't a man to, to do anything. So guess what? Uh, at that time. Now, we see a little bit later on here um, in Genesis 2. Uh, I, I just passed it and now I can't find it, but uh, Genesis 2, God create, God's got Adam here uh, and he said, tend to the garden. Amen. Uh, ver- there it is. Verse 15. I was about to give up. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Okay. So later on, just a few verses, actually, uh, we have Adam in the garden to dress it and keep it. But here we are before that. And God had to handle it. And he said, I'm gonna put a mist up from the earth and water the whole face of the ground. I'll take care of that. Like, you know, you don't have rain, you don't have anyone to do it. I'll do it. And so what we're talking about here, as we spoke about yesterday, is the idea that God is sovereign and God is orderly, right? And so God is sovereign and orderly. In this case, we have these plants and herbs coming uh, here before man was going to tend to them. God creates them first, and then he's going to create man. And then a few verses later, he's going to have man tend to these, these plants and herbs to keep the garden. And so God's a God of order, one, two, three, amen. You know, he didn't say, okay, Adam, you sit down, I'm going to create something. Okay, I just created this, now I want you to tend to it. He says, okay, Adam, I created you, this was already here, and now you're going to tend to it. Now think of us, amen. Think of us in in that time when we're created and how God made us, and we look around and say, wow, look at this whole world that's already here. That's what we're going to tackle as soon as we get back from this break. Hang in there. 
You're listening to KJV Cafe. We encourage you to look us up on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. Now let's get back to some more in-depth Bible study. All right, so here we are back and we're looking at this idea that you know what, we're born in this world. I remember being born, I don't remember being born, of course. Okay, no, I very. I don't remember a lot from my early childhood. Most people probably could remember more. Uh, I remember a time that my brother pretended to steal my nose and I thought he actually got away with it. I thought my nose was missing. Uh, I remember, you know, early years, my dad kissing my mom to go to work and that, that was stuck in my mind because uh, they were divorced very soon after. But I do remember one time that happening. Um, don't remember too much. I remember going to a convenience store once or twice. And you know, if you know me, you know I love a good uh, convenience store. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I don't remember too much about being young. But one thing I do remember is that there was so much already here. You know, like I remember learning things and being like, whoa, you know. Oh, there's a Grand Canyon. That, that was already here when I got here, you know? Look at this ocean. It looks like it's been here for a long time before I got here, you know? Airplanes are up in the air. Oh, that's already here, you know? Uh, and I was born on the first day of 1980, actually. So uh, I was born in that new decade. But, uh, you know, if you look at the 70s, the 80s, you know, or 90s, you can take a pick. A lot of things are already here when you're born, amen? Early 2000s, already here. And so God has an order. And what is his order for us? It's for us to live for him and to live out his plan for us in this world here that's already existing. Amen. Uh, he has a plan for us. And, you know, he may want us to tend a garden, so to speak. And the question is, why does the preacher have to preach about this? Why is this breaking news? Like, why can't this be something everybody is just totally understanding and aware of? Because if they were, then what would happen? Well, I believe we'd live in a world that was much more peaceful. You know, I'm not somebody that thinks we need a theocracy. I don't, I've heard it said many times, you can't legislate sin away. I believe that you can't, you know, the heart, the Bible talks about the heart of man being deceitful and beyond all measure, you know, who can know it? I don't believe we can make laws to get sin out of here, but at the same time, and forget the laws. If we were just all sold out to God and loved the Lord and sought his will and were led by the Holy Spirit, yes, I believe we would have more peace in our country, in our land, in our towns. Uh, the Bible tells us if we seek his face, he'll heal our land. Amen. If we depart from those evil ways. So I believe we would have uh, great prosperity in our land and great blessings in our land. I believe that we could have uh, you know, obviously not a perfect world in this broken, fallen world, but we could have things be so much better if we all sought the Lord. I mean, so much better. You see these billboards, it says Jesus is the answer to every problem. And I love that because it's it's bold and I'm sure uh, unbelievers are, are, you know, frustrated by such a claim, but it's true. It's true. He is the answer to every problem. So why don't people seek God? Number one, they're living in sin. And I can say this authoritatively that people aren't seeking God because look around, we don't live in that world. We live in a world where there's a bomb sniffing dog at the craft festival. We live in the world where the, the restaurant has to put the food behind the counter because, hey, they can't have it on the other side of the counter because people are going to steal it. We live in a world where 
there's fraud taking place and we have to be worried that our card number will get stolen and we can't let our kids play out anymore because we're worried about people driving in the street or running off with them. We live in a crooked, broken world. So I can tell you authoritatively that man, in the most large part, they're not seeking God. And then you don't even get me started on going to the church house and there's not as many people there as before. Yes, maybe one out of a thousand, one out of 10,000 churches is growing real well, but most of them are not. Amen. They're decreasing in size dramatically. Why? Number one, living in sin. Man is living in sin. And so they're not even in God's word. They're not even seeking God because they are living in darkness and they don't like the light and they can't comprehend the light because they don't want to depart from their darkness. They love the darkness more than the light. Amen. They're living in sin. And because they're living in sin, guess what? They're living for the world. Amen. So if the sin nature in us takes hold, we are going to be very carnal, very worldly. Now that unfortunately may make us pretty successful in this world. It might even make us popular in this world, but it doesn't make us right with God. We can't tell God, well, we're very popular. We can't say, hey, God, you know what? We've gone against your ways, but you know what? Hey, we got a lot of friends. A lot of people think we're great. God doesn't care. The Bible tells us over and over again, he's not a respecter of persons. So we have sin in the world. We have living for the world. These are the things that are keeping man from living for God. And in Genesis 2, we realize that he has all power and is sovereign. And if we could just turn to him, things would be a lot better. Amen. Because he could just do it. Amen. Like you need something today. God can just do it. Like, he doesn't need any help. Amen. You know, if I, if I'm not feeling well, the first thing I do, even before I call the doctors, I pray because God is the great physician. God could heal me if he wants. And if he doesn't want to, then he's got a reason why. I've heard preachers say before, you don't get on your knees and pray, then God will put you on your back and you can pray from there. And that's so true. So maybe there's a reason, but either way, he's sovereign. He can do it. And we're not having that today. We're not having these revivals today. We're not having the type of uh, love for God in the community and in the country that we should because of sin, because of living for the world. And guess what? When you're doing those things, church is on the back burner. I mean, who's got time for church? You know, the pastor these days, you know what the pastor has to do to get people into church? They got to beg, borrow, and steal. Amen. They got to do everything in their power just to just to maybe get somebody into the church house. You know, they got to chase them down backwards. And that's not a knock on the pastor. That's a knock on the congregation. Amen. Because we find ourselves too busy. Now, look, I know people have obligations that they have to miss church here, there, whatever it may be. I'm not saying you have to be there all the time. Uh, we're not under the law. Amen. But what I'm saying is when you're living in sin, when you're living for the world, it's going to be very natural to put the church on the back burner. I mean, why, after all, if you're living in sin, living in the world, do you want to go to God's house and be told that you're living wrong and have your toes stepped on? Nobody likes to have their toes stepped on. Amen. And so you can see how that fits right in. Amen. Church goes on the back burner. The ways and things of God go on the back burner. Amen. That's, you know, that people think this is new. Look, look in the Bible. Amen. Look at Nehemiah. He had to rebuild the wall. Amen. They had let that thing decay and they were living in houses themselves. I mean, you read in uh, many other chapters about how uh, the, 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 I think it's in the judges, how uh, there was you know, they found the old book, they found the Old Testament, they found uh, the old law, and the, and, and the king had it read to him, and he was very upset, he was very repentant, because he realized how wicked he was living, and how he needed to repent. Well, guess what? That's what's happening today. People are out just totally ignoring God. And you know what their prayer life turns into? Their prayer life turns into this, SOS only. 
SOS only. I'm only going to pray if all other measures fail. Now, that is a horrible, horrible way to approach a living God, a God that doesn't need man to tend his garden. That is a horrible way to approach that God that has all power, that created the heaven, the earth, the stars, and everything else. You don't want to go at the last minute and say, well, I've tried everything else. Now I'm going to pray to God, I guess. That's a horrible, horrible way to do it. The best way to do it is to pray right now to seek the Lord in in a time of comfort, in a time of ease, to seek the Lord while you still can, to seek the Lord before all heck breaks loose. In the tribulation period, as I understand it, you're going to have to get beheaded to be saved. (laughs) You're going to literally lose your head to be saved. People won't even, you know, deal with, you know, missing a ball game to go to church or missing sleeping in to go to church. It's just to even hear the word of God. Now all of a sudden they're going to go throw themselves in the guillotine. Probably not. Probably not. Now is the time to pray. Now is the time to seek the Lord. And all of these things occur because of unbelief. And what we've been hammering home, really this whole study, really all the messages have been hammering this home, uh, this idea that God's word is true from cover to cover, that it is real from cover to cover. And that in Genesis 2, just as in Genesis 1, we see a sovereign God. Another Bible word would be preeminent. Amen. The almighty God, creator God. I've drawn some parallels between Genesis and Revelation. You see it there in Revelation as well. God speaks and it happens. Amen. That's the God we serve. That's why when you get into Psalms and you read about how David's saying, your word is better than gold and sweeter than honey. That's why, because this is the creator God. He has all power. He has all knowledge and he wants a relationship with you. And how can he have a closeness with you if you're caught up in the things and the ways of this world? And here is the here is the crossroads. Here's the crossroads. And we'll tackle this a little bit next episode as well. Here is the crossroads. Do you sell out for God and sacrifice the things in this world? Or are you like that rich man that approached Jesus that said, I'll follow you wherever you go? But once he realized he had to forsake his riches, he went back home sad because he didn't want to do it. He didn't want to do it. Amen. John 6, verse 66, very similar. People were blessed by Jesus. They're following Jesus. They love, they love the free stuff. They love the miracles. But then Jesus started talking about some things that were a little bit more difficult for them to swallow, you know. And he said, uh, that, you know, people said, nah, and many, many didn't follow him anymore. So here is the question for you today. I want you to think about this and pray about this. Are you willing to sell out for the Lord? Are you willing to serve him regardless of your situation, of your status? Are you willing to lose friends over him? Maybe even have to separate from some family members. Are you willing to live for him despite the consequences? Think about that. Pray about that because there's no better way to live than to live for Christ. We'll pick up here where we left off in the next episode. Thank you for listening. Take care. God bless and amen. Thanks for spending time with us today at the cafe. We would love to hear from you. You can email Brother Clark directly at clark at enduringpromise.org. See you again tomorrow. Same time, same place.